Welcome to the Tea Break podcast. This is Trans in the City's new podcast and today is the second day of Trans Awareness Week and we're at the London Stock Exchange doing a little podcast here. So today's guests are Bobby Picard, CEO of Trans in the City, Hello. otherwise known as Chief Witch, Destroyer of Worlds, Sky Morden, a serving police officer, Hi. and Nikki Lambert, business manager of Trans in the City. So have you done... Uh, any podcast before like this? No, this is my first podcast, so um, yeah, it's great to be here. So, any any nerves or anything? Um, I, I, I think at this stage in Trans Awareness Week, after our events yesterday, I think it's it's everything is fine, and um, yeah, no nerves. We're 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 all good. We're all good. Yeah, we're all good. We're going at 100 miles an hour and um, hosting all these amazing events. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just fabulous to be able to fit this in and to um, and to and to talk while we've got a, a break in the program. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about allyship and what it means for trans and non-binary people in business. And um, so, can we just start with you know defining? what we all think allyship means. I'll start with you, Sky. Allyship for me is really important. Allyship means for me that it's people accepting that trans and non-binary people exist and that, that people understand that and have no side with it and have no issues with it. And it's also people standing up for us when people make comment when people make um, you know make make and spread misinformation and lies and it's standing up and having courage to be our friend that's exactly right isn't it it's it's allyship is um, it's providing shelter and that shield isn't it you know it's it's um, uh, as Emily you know her other our other director says, you know, allies are those people that take the sticks and stones for the for the trans community. And, and if you're not taking the sticks and stones um, and shielding trans and non-binary people that you like from the hate and horribleness, then you're not being an ally. You're just being an interested bystander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nikki. yeah I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, obviously, um, I am an ally. Um, and it's not okay for me to sit back and um, maybe, you know, look at look at reports on the media or see what's happening to my trans friends and think, oh gosh, that's that's awful. That's really dreadful. Um, there is there is another huge step that that needs to be taken, and you have to, as as an ally, you have to be prepared, as Sky said, um, and Bobby too, to to stand up and be counted, to add your voice. Um, to the to the trans community to um, to challenge any um, any abusive or, or hateful behaviour and and also to be able to educate the people around you as well. Um, I I have many friends who who maybe don't know um, a trans person and their only um, their only picture of a trans person is what they see in the in the media. So it's about using those opportunities as well to um, to to give a, a a real picture of what it's like to be a trans person, and also to um, to just counter all of that misinformation as as much as you can. So we have a a vital job to be able to 
to, to spread the word and get that and get the message across. I think it's important to, you know, exactly as, as you've inferred there, it's, it's not an easy job. And I think loads of people expect allyship to be an easy job. And, and perhaps for other diversities that are, that are better understood or more widely known in our society, then that might be an easier job because you're not fighting back against that misinformation that you mentioned and that, um, you know, all of that horribleness that's constantly being pumped forward. So, you know, being a trans ally is is one of those things that that takes effort, takes effort to learn, takes effort to get comfortable. But most of all, it takes effort because, you know, being a trans ally, you're, by definition, putting yourself into that same spotlight of hate that trans people sit into and that's a scary thing to do and that's a very very brave thing to do sorry i'm just gonna just gonna add there that um you know i think uh, i think there is this conception that being an ally is going and buying a rainbow lanyard Mm -hmm. buying a buying a rainbow coffee cup in when you're when you're out in the coffee chain maybe going along to a pride and enjoying the music and the party um, and it can be those things but actually those things are the 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 the, the absolute minimum being mm-hmm. an ally is is what we've what we've all said it's stepping out and speaking out for the trans community absolutely do you, bobby do you think that you know we see a lot of allyship for LGBT, LGBT people. Is, do you think it's lacking for trans and non-binary? You know, especially in kind of workplaces with the employee resource groups, networks. I don't. Uh, so I think in general, most employee resource groups include trans people. So I don't think it's it's lacking. Um, I just think it's a reflection of the knowledge level mm. and a reflection yeah. of that lack of effort. I think you know it's interesting as well when you look at the the wider LGBTQIA community. You know, we all more or less started at the same place in terms of knowledge and support in society back in the the late sixties, early seventies. What we've seen in the the subsequent fifty years is that knowledge and support spreading out according to people's societal privilege. So we've seen white gay men who, by definition, because they're white and men, have the most societal privilege, stretching ahead in terms of understanding, support, all of those things. And we can step back, you know, we have white gay women after that, and then you can see the diversities that are more intersectional or harder to understand are way, way behind in terms of their support and understanding and actually so far behind that even some people in the the white, gay, male and female divisions of our society, divisions is the wrong word because there aren't any, aren't any divisions, but areas of our communities don't even themselves have the information that those people perhaps in the 1960s and 70s innately had because we were all part of the same melting pot in the same clubs. And, yeah, we, we can see in yeah. the 1980s and 
1990s when I started first going out. In those days, the, the clubbing scenes had very much started to splinter off. You know, you'd have lesbian bars, you'd have, you know, gay bars, you'd have trans bars and clubs, and there were some, um, especially sort of the Manchester scene, which was much more um, cohesive. But, you know, I think London especially was very splintered in terms of, of, of groups of diversities and where they intermingled. And I think that's left a, a huge um, void of knowledge even in our community. So you think it's kind of more uh, an educational thing that needs to be... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, education is always um, one of the bedrocks of inclusion, <laughs> you know. There's really, you know, the thing that drives people to include other people in whatever it is, whether it's human rights or sports or anything, is empathy for that individual and wanting to help that individual be included because diversities, minorities have never been the people that ultimately have made that inclusion happen. It's always been allies that have had empathy for the minority and then the allies are the people that have actually broken down the doors and included that minority in the majority and and tried to make equality. Lots of itties there, but the... um, um, but you know that empathy is founded on two things and one of them is education and the second one actually is however cheesy it sounds is love and it's love of diversity Mm -hmm. love of other individuals and those two things together love of diversity and education is what creates empathy and that's what drives inclusion and those things you just spoke about, those are the things that go to the heart of Trans in the City and what mm-hmm. we stand for and what that organisation is all about. Absolutely. It's almost Bringing like that somebody into those workplaces. It. Yeah, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> and Sky, um, you know, I know you work in the police, so how, how has allyship been for you in the police force? With I'm not sure if you have ERGs in the police force. Yeah, well, I'm the um, gender identity lead for, for my force area. Oh, right, OK. Um, and I have close links with um, the, 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 the national network. Um, and quite often, I mean, you're absolutely right about that there became kind of a standing joke with our network where people only sign up to us just to get your rainbow lanyard. Mm-hmm. And, and so we started to try to kind of drive a bit of a campaign to get our allies and members to actually start to actually be allies, to rather than just, you know, looking at our emails, deleting them and then wearing the rainbow lanyard with, with, with pride and then maybe coming, like you said, turning up a pride once a year. Yeah. Actually getting them to be involved um, in our activities to actually start looking at driving the forward that, um, you know, driving, driving forward um, that allyship, you know, and that friendship because it's, it's those together, like you said. I've really noticed within the police that's taken me by surprise is that the compassion that the police have given me, and we're talking about friendship, we're talking about love and that love of diversity, that actually it's really surprised me how full of compassion my colleagues have been. Something that I wouldn't have experienced. 23 years ago when I joined the police, I don't think 
that compassion was certainly there then. You know, I had um, I had a friend who was on shift was struggling with coming out um, as gay, um, and and a good friend of mine um, retired as my last chief superintendent is a black gay officer and some of the things that he has to tell about his policing career are just absolutely awful but we are in a much better place in the police contrary to what quite a lot of the the press that you read about us certainly in my force area and I'm not saying it's easy being trans in the police but the allyship that I've had the police have seen my journey and the police, in a way, have come on my transition with me in my force areas. And I think the fact that I have been so visible, that it has educated, it has knocked down barriers so much, that actually they're now seeing the absolute world of, of hate that's come my way. And many of them are starting to stand up. Many of them are being really visible and actually saying, you know what, we've got the police code of ethics and one of the things there that says we've got to have leadership and that leadership isn't just about a career and going through promotions, it's not about that. It's being a leader in the community as a police officer, it's standing tall and saying that is wrong and that's allyship, mm. having that leadership. You know, that, that is something, Sky is going through this terrible experience and actually here, on duty, there's something that I can do about that, whether that's challenge that person, speak to that person. You know, in a policing capacity, I'd be expecting my colleagues to, you know, to get stuck in, and they, they, they do that. And that's really taken me by surprise, how um, willing to embrace trans and non-binary people yeah. um, in my area there have been. Uh, and Nikki, if I can just come to you, as, as the, you know, the manager of Trans in the City, um, what is it like for you as an ally within that organisation, you know, doing the work that you do? Um, it's been... Um, it, it, it's actually against the backdrop of what we see in the, in the press and even coming out of the mouths of our own government ministers. It actually always lifts me so much because I talk on a daily basis to... Um, to all sorts of different people, from uh, corporate organisations to our to our sponsors, to um, to trans non-binary role models and, and advisors, I, I talk to a wide range of people, and I'm always so lifted by the fact that most of the most of the people that I deal with are coming to us because they're hearing what's they're, they're, they're hearing um what's what's out there they're they're seeing what's happening to their trans and non-binary colleagues or friends or families and they're saying this isn't right this isn't what we want to do this is not how we want to run our organizations this is not how we want our people who are talented and gifted and have so much to to give in the workplace this is not what we want for them so please can you help us and tell us what we can do better, how we can support um, our, our people, um, and and that's what I hear on a daily basis um, a, a, above all of that other noise and, and clatter yeah. in the background. And that's that's always um, that's always really really um, that's, that that makes my work life a positive experience. That's not to say 
that stuff isn't out there and that's not to say that everybody feels the same but I do feel like um, that's just just increased so much even in the even in the last year I know Bobby oh, and I work easy. quite closely together even in the last year um, we are you know we, we we don't have enough time sometimes to yeah. to um, to support and um, and help all the people that are that are needing it or asking for it and I think you know that that shows there is this great demand for for change out there and people people ultimately do want to um do want to be kind and be generous and include the people that they work with mm-hmm. i think ultimately that's what most people want to do it's a small majority who unfortunately as as we know make all the noise and kick up all the dust. And you do, do an amazing job as manager. Thank you. Can we have a round of applause? Yes, no, let's no. have a virtual round of applause. No, 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 okay. no. <laughs> so are, are you seeing a lot you know, of companies coming to Transit City looking for help and information? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and more and more organisations. Uh, I mean, we have we have an amazing group of sponsors, and we have some sponsors, you know, like Elseg, who have been with us for pretty much from from the beginning. Day I think, um, and and that's and that's fantastic. But we are seeing so many more organisations, and they are they are coming to us from different industries and different sectors. Um, so we've had lots of um, lots of uh, interactions and conversations with um, healthcare, hospitality organisations, healthcare organisations, um, insurance companies. You know, without 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 going into too much detail, we've had some amazing conversations with um, insurance companies who really want to change the experience, not only for their own staff but for their customers and to make that whole process of applying for insurance, which for, for most allies, most cis people, um, I, I don't even think I would have registered this four or five years ago, but to have to fill out a form and be asked for your prefix um, and asked for your, you know, so your Mr, Mrs, whatever, uh, and asked for your sex, male or female, and to fill out every single form. How many of those forms do we all fill out in our, in our lifetimes? Every single one of those forms is the same, and there's nothing on those drop-down menus that we all click on every day that, that represents the trans person or the non, non-binary person that's filling it out. Yeah. Um, and so to have those organisations coming to us saying, we want to change that, it needs to be different, we want the trans and non-binary people who are applying in, in, for insurance through us or healthcare through us to have a great experience and we only want to ask for information about their biological sex if it directly relates to a medical condition or, or something that we absolutely need that information from but we want to change everything else so that they can look at um, our, our systems, they can look at our products and think, yeah, that's for me, that, that fits me, that suits me. And, and it, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, I think in, I think that this year actually has been some of those things where we've done some real game-changing stuff actually. And yeah. one of the insurance companies um, that we 
spoke to is actually now going to remove all of those details. So, you know, those risk profiles that they used to have where, you know, perhaps there was a, a loading if, if you were male or, you know, the other way around. Yeah. They're just doing them all completely on a flat basis. So it, it, it doesn't matter what sex you were assigned at birth. I mean, that's real progress. It is real it progress. Is. It's, it's a real... It's one of those... It was, a, it was a remarkable conversation, actually, you know. So, so I spent the, the whole day with them explaining. Then, you know, a really great example of a company that really wants to make a change. Yeah. We had an afternoon sat around with the CEO all of the second-in-commands of the organisations, the head of IT, everybody, the head of broking, the head of risk assessment, were all there. And we just talked about the issue. And in that one afternoon, actually, they went from a position of, well, we really need to know what people's sex at birth is because, you know, we put that through this process and it dumps out this number and all the rest of the stuff. And by the middle of the afternoon, people were saying, well, do we really need to know that? It's like 0.5% difference all the time. Does it really matter to us? And at the end of the day, it was like, you know what, we don't care. Let's just do away with the whole thing and yeah. just treat individual people as individual people. That, that, real, that really is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to add there that that 0.5% difference to that insurance company is... 120% difference to a trans person. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so yeah. that small shift has such a huge impact. Fundamental. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Bobby, you know, I know I know you probably know quite a lot of CEOs. <laughs> One or two. One or two, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about ERGs and LGBT networks in, mm-hmm. in companies. I often wonder, you know, we can't really get a lot done unless we have people at the top helping us get things done. Mm-hmm. And not, it's not only people at the top, it's also the grassroots. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about how you think people at the top can help more. You know, they may not be, you know, have much of an interest in an LGBT ERG or network. I think most do, actually. Okay. You know, I think, um, I think most organisations that are progressive and want to have a future have no option I think the key word is progressive isn't it it is well it is but but actually you know it's it's if organizations want to be attracting the best talent in five years or ten years time then they have to be interested yeah and there's already the business case that you know inclusive organizations make better decisions have better teams retain staff um and yeah. on top of all of that are more profitable. So, so I think most CEOs um, are interested in getting the best out of their people because that produces the best return for their company and the best return for their company gives the best return from their, to their shareholders and that's what keeps CEOs in their jobs. So, you know, here we are in the uh, London Stock Exchange. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, what kind of benefits are there for organisations to you know, from the top, you know, be more inclusive with LGBT. So I think, I, I think it's, um, 
I mean, there's all of the benefits of, of, of diversity and inclusion, and people can go and, go and read, read up about those. But, you know, I think there's two important points here. In almost every organisation, inclusion, trans and non-binary inclusion, LGBTQIA inclusion, didn't start at the top. In a few rare cases it did, but in most cases yeah. it didn't. It's And it started at a grassroots level. And what you tend to see is it starts at a grassroots level and then gets championed by some senior people and then it's those senior people that really take the message to the top and in lots of cases you know it's exactly the type of information that c-suite executives are looking for you know if you for instance went along to someone in a in a senior position in business and said look i know a secret that would unlock 30 percent of your employees' brain power. Do you want to know? You know, nobody's going to go, no, I'm not really that fast, really. (laughs) You know? And yet, that's what removing the need for filtering Mm. gives people. And we know that if people are allowed to be themselves, they're happier employees, they stay in organisations, organisations retain that talent, and they get a reputation for being inclusive, so they attract more talent and then become better just benefits all around there is you know and and i think in addition you know the especially transgender people um non-binary people do have have their um own outlook on life which is extraordinarily valuable to organizations but transgender people especially have seen have experienced what it's like to live on both sides of that societal boundary Mm -hmm that we have around gender. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 just incredibly valuable to have a transgender person in your organization. So, if you want to know how to make your men's teams more effective or your teams of women more effective or how to get your women and men working together more effectively, then who better to go and ask than somebody that's lived in both of those roles? And Sky, you know, as a serving police officer, yeah. um, the, 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 this topic of bringing your whole self to work, how did you go about doing that? How, well, how did that feel for you, you know, going in? Because it's, it's quite hostile yeah, so for you, I, you know, you, you're very public. Yeah, very much so. So I work um, as a taser lead instructor, as a public order trainer, and, and that world, historically... Um, has always been kind of a very patriarchal role, um, always been generally um, male-driven, generally ex-military or certainly ex-riot um, cops will go into the role of a tactical trainer. And it's, it's a, like you said, it's about having the ability to break into that and to actually show people who... You know, very rarely that you would have a cisgendered woman going into the world of tactical training. Um, and all of a sudden we're finding that now that we have a much more diverse um, crew room, we have a much more diverse team of officers, 
all of a sudden things, like you said, things are so much easier because there's different points of view where we've always done it in this way, we've always done it this way. Well, hang on, why do we do it like this? That's not good. We've got a better way. That's actually a lot easier. Oh, I never thought of it like that. And as you said, it's being able to bring that whole self and, and with, with that comes those ideas. With that comes um, different life experiences. Um, and that can only be good for an organisation. Um, sorry, Daddy. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to, you know, it, it's, there's this great, um, I guess, misunderstanding at the moment as well that straight white men are kind of the norm and everything else is a diversity. And it's just not true. Straight white men are a diversity in themselves. And there's just as many challenges being a straight white man in business, in society, as there are for other diversities. Other diversities have more of a headwind and have more uh, challenge and more difficult challenge in many, many cases. But, you know, we can't make our society more diverse and more equal unless we at least recognise that straight white men also have pressure to conform to a certain model. You know, your crew room had the same thing. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually. Well, and, you know, they have the pressure that they have to be competitive. Mm. They have to win. They have to know what they're talking about. They can't show emotion other than anger. All of those pressures are there on straight white men. And that's not helping, actually, increase diversity and inclusion in our organisations, unless we confront that as well and say... I mean, that, that's a really strong force for them to try to, to have to conform to that way of... It is, and it's, and it's actually one of the challenges, because it's, it's to be able to get over that means that we have to break the conformity that they're being told that they have to conform to, yeah. for them to even recognise that there's a mm. problem there that we need to fix, you know. Yeah. It's, and it's so... It's one of the challenges, I think, that that's slowing diversity and inclusion down in our society but it's also creating this narrative of you know um you know white male and stale all of that type thing but actually that's what society's imposed on to men in its in in our society and so you know what really happens is when we do those messages of, of pale, male and stale is the people that are hearing that that don't feel comfortable trying to conform to the model want to really stand up and go, well, I, I know, but I can't do anything about it. But because that conformity is so strong, they can't do that. So if, I think if we can unlock that... yeah. It will really, really... That will be a powerful thing. It will be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, very much so. Um, no, and, and I think yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the patriarchy having this kind of... This, this, this belief system um, where all the power is kind of held in, in that place, it's, as you said, it, it's very, very harmful. Mm-hmm. To everybody, Absolutely. you know, it's 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 a toxic, toxic environment that causes huge um, 
repercussions, and you see this in policing, you see huge repercussions in men's mental health. Mm -hmm, um, you look at the suicide rate, you look at the attempts of self-harm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it all plays into these pressures that people are feeling. And I think locking in, unlocking that, I think that's a really good way of putting it, because you're so right. I think it's, it's you know, there's, um, I spend lots of time thinking, <laughs> you know, and one of the things that, that, um, that I found interesting, I, I spoke to someone the other day, is, and is there, um, uh, an amazing lady, she's been married for, I think, about 15, 20 years, and, um, and um, she turned up to an event, amazing dress, um, and I said, you know, I did, you look amazing, and um, she said, like, oh, I wish, my, I wish my husband would say something like that, he's just not interested in fashion, he's, he's got a complete blind spot, not interested in, in fashion at all, never notices all those things. That's not something that's genetic. That's something that we teach men in our society from their earliest age that they're not allowed to be interested in fashion. Yeah. They're not allowed to notice things like that because it's not a manly thing. And yet, later on, we see women moaning that the conditioning <laughs> that we've put on men yes, indeed. is it gives that sort of result. When, and there's so many nuances like that that we need to um, we need to resolve. And it's it's unless we we give equality and inclusion for absolutely every single person, then nobody's going to get it. And we'll always have these fightbacks and lashbacks and pushbacks against trans and non-binary inclusion. Yeah. So, you know, the, we're talking about allies and, you know, the, this this topic also affects families. I, I was just wondering, how many times have we all heard the question, you know, I'm an ally, but what, what can I do? What do I need to do? So, Nikki, could you just talk about that? Oh, gosh. Um, I, think, I think probably as a, as, as a first step, for, for an ally if you if, if someone is wanting to become an ally and thinking well what, what can I do I think um, I think Bobby mentioned this this earlier I think educating yourself mm. and learning um, not by reading what's in the press particularly or, or on the TV but actually educating yourself going to the kind of places who will give you um, really good informative information that's informative information um, places like trans in the city website places like Stonewall places like mermaids if you if you have a young person in your in your family but actually go and actually go and find out and and learn and educate yourself first of all find out what the what the problems are that people are, are, are facing um, and you know ev every ally is different everybody has different skills and um different different strengths um there's not a one size fits all a list of things that allies have to do there are there are going to be things that um different people will be able to do there are some people who are going to be super confident at, at standing up or, or maybe taking part in a panel like this or you know there are going to be people who are going to feel more confident and eloquent speaking out but there are other people who you know who who are just going to be able to um sit down and be a good listener you know if you've got a trans colleague take them for a cup of coffee take them for a take them for a take them for a drink and just 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 talk to them um 
ask your trans friends, family, colleagues, you know, what do you need from me? What can I do to make things better? Because trans people will be able to tell you, um, you know, where they need support. They are the people that know better than anybody else. It's no, no point being an ally and, and saying, you know, right, okay, I've, I've found out all about this and now I'm going to go out and I'm going to put something out on Facebook saying, you know, whatever it is it, it might be because that's, that's an ally talking from an ally's standpoint. You have to educate yourself and you have to listen and hear what the trans and non-binary people around you are saying and then that will give you your lead um, to think, okay, well, they've, they've said they need more support in their, um, in their ERG or in their pride group, so I'm going to go along and I'm going to volunteer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, be, be at the pride parade handing out mm -hmm. leaflets or, or whatever it might be. Um, but it, is, it does all come down to exactly the things that Bobby said earlier, educate yourself and, and show love, and that means listening and supporting the real needs of trans and non-binary people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, as you said perfectly, that actually not everyone is capable of sticking their head above a parapet. But it's just being there and it's just understanding and it's having kindness and compassion. Mm -hmm. It's just realising that trans people, we're just simply human. We're just people. You know, we're not monsters that you read about in the papers, in the press. We're just people. And, and in the police, there's a thing that you learn quite early on. It's called the SFQ. And the SFQ is the stupid effing question. <laughs> and generally, you get to see the SFQ coming at you on nighttime economy. Generally, you'll see drunken Sandra or drunken Dave walking down the street. You can almost see the SFQ appearing in their mind when they see the police car, when they see you standing outside, and it's generally, you know, can I pee in your hat, can I do this, can I do that? But you see them coming. But, but when it comes to trans people, I honestly think there's no such thing as an SFQ, because it's all about that educational piece that you said. And if it's not an appropriate question, that's fine. If it's asked clumsily, that's fine, because I'll tell you. But I'm not going to bite your head off. I'll just talk to you and I'll treat you as a person like you're treating me as a person and it's having that communication piece. Talk to us and, and, and you'll find that allies will find that you can be just a better ally all the time just by knowing your colleagues, just by speaking to them. Yeah, and if we look at you know all the amazing organisations out there that have all these resources available to, to people who are looking for information, Bobby, could you could you talk about some of the stuff that Transit City are doing with these um, new videos that you announced yesterday? Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, something that 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 we've wanted to do for lots of years, actually, and um, and um, because not every organisation can can take an hour out of their day and get a hundred people in the room. Um, you know, some organisations have helplines, some people have retail stores, and you just can't close down some sites just to do trans awareness. So, so for a long time I've wanted to do a set of e-learning videos that really yeah. cover not just Trans 101, but other areas that are beyond Trans 101 that are, that are fundamental to understanding trans and non-binary people. Um, 
And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so delighted actually that we've got nine amazing videos. Each one of them actually is really groundbreaking, um, phenomenal pieces of work that are being put together in conjunction with Global Butterflies and um, Call to be Trans that cover so much of the trans experience and there will be more next year that we bring out but um, but I'm just delighted that we're, you know, we're going to be giving them away for free, free to everybody any not-for-profit can have yeah. all of the, the unedited versions of the video as well so they can make their own inclusion moments they can make their own training courses and we can really get the message out and I think that's that's so so, so key. Yeah. So those are going to be really useful for the you know ERGs and these companies that we've been talking about. Absolutely. Giving them resources to you know do Absolutely. what they need to do with that and information. Our, and our partner and, and headline sponsors will get the unedited versions as well so I mean and you know Trans in the City funded them and it was a significant part of our yearly budget to, yeah, can imagine. to fund these but we're just going to give them give all of that resource, all of that funded information away free to organisations. So hopefully that will provide the step up in, in awareness. Yeah, and I, and I guess we should end on the future. So what, what kind of plans do Transit City have going forward you know, in, this a- in this area of allyship? I mean, that's, um, this, this is the time when, when both... Sky and Nikki go, oh no, what now? <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> mad plans do you have? <laughs> um, you know, for next year especially, I think I've got three things particularly in mind. Um, I want to get a train the trainer course up and running. We've got the e-learner course. What I want to do is have a train the trainer course where if there's a trans or non-binary role model in an organisation, we can give them a pack that says, here's how you can train your organisation more effectively. And obviously they have all the backup and resources from Trans in the City to, to help them do that. So that's, I think, essential. With the videos now, we can embed trans voices into that Train the Trainer course, which means that allies can actually run a trans awareness course still having authentic trans experiences within the training course. Um, and then the other two bits that I'm really excited about are the mentorship scheme. So young trans and non-binary people being given a shortcut in how to yeah. be the champion of, of the future and how to be effective in business or not-for-profits. And um, and actually, you know, the, one of the reasons we're here at LSEG um, today is to celebrate our young student ambassadors so we're bringing together every trans and non-binary student in every university and technical college and art college and every graduate scheme and every apprenticeship bringing them all together giving them the experience and the resources and the contacts and everything they need to become champions of the future for trans and non-binary people and turning that discrimination that trans and non-binary young people face completely on its head so they arrive fully prepared 
to be amazing people, and that's just so special to me. It, it really is special. I was, you know, I was imagining, you know, being the age of twenty something, coming into the London Stock Exchange to be part of the closing of the, you know, yeah. day's trading. Can you imagine that when you were that age? As no. a trans person, it would no. never have happened, would it? No, and it's you know when when I was that age, I was very busy trying to destroy myself. Yeah. So you know, putting all of these trans and non-binary young people together in contact, having that peer support amongst them, having that community that's available to them, but then having a load of old bags like 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 me and Sky saying, it's going to be fine. You can do it this is how you can manage it. I think it's yeah. essential, and it'll mean that we'll end up with young trans and non-binary people skipping 20 years oh, of advantage. life experience yeah. and hitting the ground running, and I think that's so, just you know, fabulous. They've got this amazing experience today, launching the Student Ambassadors event tomorrow, Yes, and then everybody who attends that is, is going to get a huge advantage mm-hmm. you know, when they Absolutely. go back to their jobs or universities or whatever yeah. you know to give them a yeah. you know a huge boost in in their careers and absolutely you know they'll they'll go back knowing what to do with these ERGs and how to yeah. get things done and hopefully they'll go back to their colleges and universities and back to wherever they go with their lives with some amazing contacts and some amazing friends but most of all they'll go back knowing that they are valued yeah, and absolutely. that's what I—that's the strongest message that I want to give every single young trans and non-binary person. Just yeah. ignore what you read. <laughs> we value you. Yeah, amazing. So, final words, Sky. I'm, for the first time in a long time, I'm absolutely, I, I'm, I'm so excited for the future. Yeah, me too. And um, because there is hope. Yeah. You know, I've gone through all sorts of nonsense in the press and online in the media, and sometimes it's so easy to get lost in the noise. And having that ability to see that there is hope, to reach out to young people and to to just help them and push forward and have that, just that leap, I think yeah. it's brilliant. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, final words from you? Um. I think my message is that trans people are people. Trans people are some of my closest friends, my closest family, um, and and actually, I I forget most of the time that you know I forget that you are all trans because you are just my my friends, my family, people that I love to spend time with. And that's what, that's the message that I want to get out to everybody else. Trans people are just people like you and me who want to live their lives, um, flop on the sofa at the end of the day with a glass of something, watching Netflix and just having, uh, doing what they want to do and living their life as they want to live it. Final words, Bobby. Chief Witch, Destroyer of Worlds. <laughs> Thank you. There are other streaming services available <laughs> other than Netflix, by the way. It's just, it's just, just Netflix is the best one. Um, you know, I, th- I mean, I've me warbled on enough today, haven't I, really? But the, um, but it's just that. It's, it's, we will get through. We will absolutely get through. I know there's loads of noise and I know there's loads of hate and I know it's exhausting. But we will get through. 
you know, there is an incredible bunch of people in trans in the city. Um, you know, four of them are sat here. There's a whole load other, whole load of other ones running around all over the place, um, making sure that we will get through. And there's no way on earth anybody's going to stop us. No, we're not going we, we away. Are, we are actually unstoppable. So we're not going away. We're not going to stop, and we'll keep on until the job's done. Yeah. So thank you all. Great chat. Really enjoyed doing Thanks, that. Vicky. Thanks, Vicky. Thanks, um, Vicky. For anybody listening or watching, please subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Mm-hmm.